Welcome to the second season of Scene to Song, a musical theater podcast for people who love to discuss, critique, and celebrate musicals as a literary art form. I'm your host, Shoshana Greenberg, and each week I'll bring on a guest to talk about a musical, musical theater writer, or a topic or trend in musical theater. My guest today is Orion Israelson. Orion is a book writer and playwright originally from Toronto. Her work includes the musical Tommy Christ, the 10-minute play The Guardian, and the one-act musical Love in the Dark. Her most recent play, Porn Fest, or All the President's Men and One Lady, had a reading at Symphony Space this past June. She has written for Musical Theater Today and Jewish Magazine, and is a graduate of NYU's Graduate Musical Theater Writing Program, the Second City Sketch Comedy Writing Program, and the University of Toronto. We're going to talk today about the musicals Fiddler on the Roof and the Rothschilds. We are going to get started with our get to know our guest questions. What was your first experience with a musical? My Zadie loved musicals. He kind of was an amateur lyricist in South Africa. So, yeah, so he loved musicals, which is also why I love Golden Age musicals in particular. Mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, if I had to pinpoint maybe like the Ashman Menken Disney musicals, um, but the first show that I ever saw on Broadway was In the Heights. What is the last great musical you saw? So I actually saw two really good musicals. They were very similar and yet like very different. One was A Strange Loop by Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. And it was really, you know, it was interesting because his material was, um, you know, you wouldn't think that someone from my different background from him would like connect with that story, but mm-hmm. I did. And just the way that he's trying, the character of Usher's trying to find himself in the world, trying to find his artistic integrity was something that I really related to. And then the second one was a show that I saw at Fringe called um, Boy Falls from the Sky by Jake Epstein. And, Is that uh, at New York Fringe? No, this was at the Toronto, Toronto Fringe. The yeah. Toronto Fringe, yeah. Um, and it was also was about, like, he's um, he's done, like, shows on Broadway and mm-hmm. done touring shows, and he was, like, on Degrassi. And so it was about, like, his experiences and how, you know, his pitfalls in his career. In a lot of ways, it's very similar because mm-hmm. it's about, like, finding your voice, finding... Right. the sort of artistic struggle in both of those. I mean, it's not original music. Mm-hmm. It's like songs from all the shows that he's done. Oh, interesting. Um, but he sort of does it in a way where it's like he'll talk about once and about how he fell in love with his wife. And, mm-hmm. you know, he'll talk about how he was in um, Spider-Man and he'll sing Boyfriend Falls from the Sky. Mm-hmm. And that's where the oh, title comes cool. from. Yeah. What older or classic show did you recently see for the first time, and what was your experience with it? Oklahoma. I saw Mm -hmm. the recent version, and um, I guess it's one of the things, like, Oklahoma is so Americana that Mm -hmm. it probably wouldn't be a popular choice to do in Canada (laughs) because it's so American. Right. Um, And the version I saw, I I feel a little cheated because I guess, like, I didn't see, like, a real, like, Mm -hmm. classic, classic version of Oklahoma because it's very, um, it's, 
the show is very like wild and this is the like most a, recent this is the most recent Broadway one yeah revival which I yeah. love and I love the orchestration of Roger's work was mm-hmm. like it, you know they made it more country it felt more authentic and it also showed just how great of a composer Rogers was that his yeah. music can be and also Hammerstein's writing that it could be you know interpreted this way right. and I thought it was like an interesting step in revivals because mm-hmm. we often think of musicals as frozen and how the way they were performed then is how the way right. it needs to perform now and it kind of reminded me more of like a Shakespeare in the Park show where they're mm. like reinterpreting it and putting right. it into a different scenario to bring out more of a context of the piece yeah um versus like a traditional revival what's a musical people might be surprised to find out you love and why would they be surprised so i'm not sure if people will be totally surprised to find out that i loved my fair lady because i love golden age musicals mm-hmm. but i think they would be surprised to find out that it's my favorite musical oh, yeah. because i'm surprised yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, because I talk about Fiddler on the Roof so much <laughs> that people assume because and I'm, I'm an observant Jew and that mm-hmm. I talk about Fiddler and its impact and culture so much. Yeah. And I also know that show really well that right. they would think that that's my favorite show. But I actually really love My Fair Lady is my favorite. I just think yeah. it's the most charming musical. I... I know the material like backwards and forwards. I like every single song in that show, and it was my grandfather, my Zadie's favorite musical. Mm-hmm. So there's both that sentimental yeah. value, and I also love it from a structural point of view. It's yeah. just so beautifully written. Did you see them? I did. That yeah. Just closed the Lincoln Center one. I did. Yeah. Since they changed the ending, that was like mm-hmm. a big thing. What mm-hmm. was as since it's your favorite show? Like, what did you think of that that change? I mean. I was a little disappointed. There was one aspect. I wanted her, Eliza Doolittle, to at least kiss him, either on the cheek or on the mouth, just mm-hmm. to, even if it's more of a representative of, like, a goodbye kiss yeah. or a loving embrace mm-hmm. and then walking off. Um, so I was a little disappointed that there wasn't that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But in general, I was kind of okay with it because yeah. I've always seen Eliza Doolittle as a really strong character. I think that, like, when I hear people critique the show, it's like, well, then you're really just looking at the surface of it. You're not... You Mm -hmm. you haven't, like, really looked at the dialogue and looked at the agency that she has. Which writers of the past and working today do you admire most? So, of course, um, Lerner and Lowe. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) Would definitely be a big one. I'm also a big fan of Gigi, the Mm -hmm. the film, not the stage version. Yeah. Um, I always get disappointed because they want to tone down the, whenever they want to do Gigi, they always tone down the sexuality of it. And I'm like, no, that's that's the point of Gigi. You know, that it is a little bit weird and inappropriate and creepy old men, you know? (laughs) You don't, like, lean into it. Right. Might as well just not do it at all. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not going to... Yeah. If you're not going to have, you know, the creepy old man singing thing happens... Right. Then, yeah. Don't <laughs> don't bother doing it. Yeah. Um, I also love Bach and Harding. Oh, yeah. A little bit Kander and M, because mm-hmm. I love Cabaret, and I yeah. love Chicago. Um, and then in terms of new writers, um, 
of course, I'm now a, a convert to Michael Jackson. <laughs> the living ones were. Right. Michael R. Jackson. Michael yeah. R. Jackson, yeah. And then I really, I also like Lin-Manuel Miranda. Mm-hmm. You know, my first show was in the Heights. Right. And I saw Hamilton and mm-hmm. at until actually a strange loop i hadn't really cried in a show oh yeah <laughs> yeah and um other than Manuel miranda's shows mm-hmm. that i saw of his who is your favorite hero or protagonist character in a musical so eliza doolittle mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um i also really love mama rose mm-hmm. um from gypsy from yeah. gypsy yeah she's just such a force <laughs> she yeah. just comes on and she's just dominates everything yeah and um I rem I remember the first time I was doing a, a in, it was like an English course in university in my undergrad and they but we were studying like musicals and pop, American pop culture and we had to listen to Rose's Turn mm-hmm. and I still remember like the first time I heard Rose's Turn yeah. I was like you can do that in a musical right. Who is your favorite villain or antagonist character? So my favorite villain slash antagonist is Judd from Oklahoma because mm-hmm. I feel like he's very misunderstood. Mm-hmm. I don't actually see him really as a villain. Yeah. Um, I was really interested uh, in reading Frank Rich's article on, on Oklahoma mm-hmm. about you know how the original writer of yeah. Little Alex, that he, you know, was part indigenous and mm-hmm. that sort of feeling of an outsider, you know, and, yeah. and especially in this new interpretation of Oklahoma, it's almost like this community zeroing in and protecting one of their own versus yeah. actual justice right. that should exist in the world. And so I really feel like Judd is a character who is rejected from society and yeah. misunderstood and I mean he's got issues right but there's also like this idea that he just doesn't fit in society so he's right. he's dispensable in a way yeah and so that's why I think he's a very interesting antagonist because so many people dislike him mm-hmm. and there doesn't seem to be a base right. for it right other than not being a part of their community. Well, let's move on to our topic. We're going to be looking at Fiddler on the Roof um, and the musical The Rothschilds, which um, is not as well known as Fiddler on the Roof. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Like, I had only heard, really heard of it because I think in grad school, Mm-hmm. We did uh, in one of the classes. They yeah, they had sons yeah. as an example of something. Yeah. So we heard it, and I was like, oh, I didn't really know much. Didn't really know this yeah. musical. It's only had one other revival, and I don't yeah. get a lot of. So I was able to see sort of the pseudo revival of it mm-hmm. at the York, um, which actually came out the same season as the the Bartlett oh. Sure Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah. So I saw them within three months apart, and. To me, I really see them as companion pieces, right. you know. The Rothschilds almost seems like the inverse of Fiddler mm-hmm. on the Roof in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, um, which we'll talk about, I guess, in more detail. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's another show about Jewish characters and Jewish history from the same people who wrote Fiddler on the same composer and lyricist team who mm-hmm. wrote Fiddler on the Roof. So it's, there's so many similarities, but then mm-hmm. it's, like, very different. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, let's, let's, I guess, just start with 
you know, what, what drew you to this topic? Why? What drew me to this topic was, um, looking, first of all, I've always been interested in how Jews are portrayed in the media, Mm -hmm. being Jewish myself, being an observant Jew, um, always, especially something like Fiddler on the Roof, where Mm -hmm. they are observant Jews. I've always been very interested in how Fiddler is portrayed and sort of, you know, what makes Fiddler so interesting for me is it's really it really challenges me to separate art and my religious side. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people try to put the two, but ultimately a piece of art is a piece of art. It will never be that pure religious experience. And like, even with the Yiddish uh, fiddler, which is being lauded as like the most authentic going back to really the 1960s version as being, Mm -hmm. I, there were still times when I was like, oh, come on, they would never do that. Like, when they come out and their men and women are holding hands, you know. Right. Um, which I think is a nod from Jerome Ramos to say, like, this is not really religious Jews. This is ultimately a musical. Um, but there are other areas where it's like my religious brain takes over. So during the Sabbath prayer afterwards, he lifts up the cup of wine and one of the characters, I think one of the daughters, puts the bread like shows the bread to the Mm -hmm. audience and that would never happen because the whole point is the there's in a halakhic like in a jewish law custom is there's levels of of um blessings Mm -hmm. and bread is actually higher than wine so to make sure that you can have the wine first right you cover the bread Mm -hmm. so that's why i was like when it's like such a small moment like no one else would pick up on it and i'm just sitting there going like what is going on? <laughs> Did no one else see what I saw? Yeah. Um, and then, but, you know, when they're doing the marriage ceremony, it was mm-hmm. like a perfect Jewish we- wedding ceremony because right. it was like the entire checklist. Um, so I've always been really interested in how Jews are portrayed in media. It's also an issue of looking at Tevye as a character because... Like, I grew up going to a Chabad synagogue where mm-hmm. I was told, like, Hasidic tales, and there was sort of, it's a lot like Shalom Aleichem, where it's, you know, this sanitization of shtetl life, mm-hmm. of, like, the old country, and Fiddler sort of plays into that, and plays into that imagery, and, you know, that's something that I wrestle with, in right. terms of, like, it's great because it's a beacon for our culture to share with other people Mm -hmm. but it also comes to dominate the culture and legitimize certain things in our culture that's just shouldn't be legitimized what what uh for example well for example when you think of a really observant jew Mm -hmm. you don't think of me in my you know tank top and pants Mm -hmm. right you think of someone with a black hat and a beard and and a capozza which is the black jacket Mm -hmm. and i think that that's something that fiddler definitely promotes right in that way versus if you even if you look at you know, images of, like, Rev. Doug Bear Soloveitchik, who was the leader of the modern Orthodox movement in mm-hmm. America in the 20th century, like, he had a tiny little beard with a little, like, yarmulke. Right. So, I think that that's sort of my issues with Fiddler on the Roof. Mm-hmm. But where I find it very interesting when you, as you said, when it's the inverse of the Rothschilds, is you really start to see Bach and Harnick playing with the idea and this is why, to me, the Rothschilds lens up being a little more interesting, is that in 
in Fiddler on the Roof, it's much more of a passive Jewish tale. Tevye is like very passive in the way he responds to the world and the right. way the world treats him. And that's largely how we think of Jewish history, yeah. I think, versus Rothschilds, even though we give a little bit way too much credit to the Rothschilds of breaking down the ghetto walls. Because mm, yeah. <laughs> there are so many other figures that are like right. involved in breaking down the ghetto walls and the secularization of Jews. Um, that, But they are much more active mm-hmm. in wanting to do things. And it's, show, it's showcased in their two I Want songs, which mm-hmm. is for the sons, everything, and for Tevye, if I were a rich man, which oddly enough, in the Yiddish version, is if I were a Rothschild. Right, right. Um, but not really fully understanding that, like, to be a Rothschild is actually to break with society, to, mm-hmm. to push ahead and forge ahead. And it, it interests me because the Rothschild score is less Jewish-sounding, despite the fact that it still takes place in Germany, and which has some klezmer mm-hmm. background, and it also takes place a hundred years before Fiddler. Yeah, it was that was interesting too. Because yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting to me um, also as a Jew, like what what time periods in Jewish history like are being portrayed in mm-hmm. the media? Like uh, we have Fiddler, which is like early nineteen hundreds, I think. I think it's nineteen oh. Five yeah, is the, is the year the Fiddler takes place, and we have a lot of TV shows set in like the 1950s, mm-hmm. like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel mm-hmm. right now, and you know that kind of stuff. But and yeah. I also yeah. think that there's a difference between Jew Jewish portrayal in America, where mm-hmm. it's viewed as modern, and so Jews, and it's also much closer to our history mm-hmm. versus Jewish the way. Jews in Europe or in even parts of uh, North Africa and the Middle East are portrayed mm, yeah, and how we view them and we don't really see them with having much agency right. and that's why the Rothschilds is actually really to me very interesting because these are Jews with who right. are trying to gain agency and yeah and um, and it was also interesting to me going back to the, the time periods that mm-hmm. this was taking place uh, like late 1700s into the 1800s, mm-hmm. just like a time period in Jewish history that I never really think much about. <laughs> about. Which is crazy because it's such an important period of Jewish history, which right. is the start of the emancipation period. So Jews were first emancipated um, after the French Revolution mm-hmm. in France. And then you had Napoleon, who is seen as both a villain and a hero to Jews. Mm-hmm. Because, who's, in, who's in the Rothschilds. Who's in the Rothschilds, <laughs> because as he conquers all these lands, Jews get emancipated. Right. And so that's, you know, very interesting. And, you know, on top of that, it wasn't just the Rothschilds. There were characters like... Uh, Moses Mendelssohn, who sort of started this idea of breaking down ghetto walls, mm-hmm. of joining Jewish and secular education. Um, you have the start of the reform movement um, by um, uh, who the leader was Geiger, and that's around this period, mm-hmm. the start of the conservative movement. And oddly enough, all these things are actually happening in Germany. Yeah. So this is all where the Rothschilds are working. Mm. which is very interesting that, like, as you said, like, you didn't think that it was, but this was really the birth and the start of the way we live our lives as modern right. Jews and the denominations that we adhere to. Since people don't know the Rothschilds that well, right. just to give, like, a brief overview right. of that show, um, 
Uh, so as we mentioned, it takes place in the, it starts in the late 1700s mm-hmm. and then it like covers. With Mayor Durocher. Yeah, and it covers like a, a pretty wide period of history mm-hmm. going into like the, is it mid eight Mid 19th century, yeah. 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 1800s and um, with, because he has sons that then grow up and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, take over the business. Yeah, it basically starts with Mayor Rothschild, who uh, is the head of what is considered like the famous Rothschild banking family. And he starts, I believe it's in Frankfurt, Germany. Mm-hmm. And he um, becomes an agent, like a court Jew, um, and deals with uh, the finances of bankrolling the principality. And as he gets older, he trains his sons and his sons sort of have this um, desire to to take that on and to push it even further and you know he sort of trains them in this idea of like wanting to become equal to the rest of society and mm-hmm. the big the big idea is breaking down the ghetto walls and the curfews because at the time Jews if they lived in a ghetto they had to um, they had to be in the ghetto at a certain point right. and they couldn't you know travel as freely and so basically it lands up it's a it's a little bit convoluted i find yeah as a as a piece but it starts becoming like about the napoleonic wars and in a weird way the rothschilds land up bankrolling both sides Mm -hmm. and he sends his son nathan to london what actual in actuality he actually sends his other sons to different other countries as well he sends one to france one to italy um and then the idea was that Napoleon is defeated and to basically get um, Prince Metternich mm-hmm. um, to give them emancipation. They, they basically, I wouldn't say bribe, not bribe, <laughs> but they, they pressure him yeah. through monetary yeah, there's needs. something going on with bonds. That with is bonds, like yeah, bonds. with peace bonds. <laughs> and they, they like, sort of buy out or they make the prices very low. They do, like, some sort of economic yeah. mambo That's way beyond both of yours yeah. and mine. <laughs> but it's very smart. Um, yeah. I, again, as I said, I think that it's a bit... Um, it's a bit much of giving them too much credit for mm-hmm. emancipation because there were plenty of Jews at the time who were also seeking it out. There were plenty of allies, um, Gentile allies, who were calling for Jewish emancipation. Right. Um, you know, again, starting with Moses Mendelssohn, who was also German. Um, so it's interesting that, you know, it, this is how what Bach and Harnack decided to focus on and why yeah. they wanted to do it. Um, but what I do love about the Rothschilds is that it is an attempt to show European Jewish history in a more active role where they, they are having agency and they right. are pushing for a goal versus, you know, Tevye who doesn't, you know, he has this dream, but right. he will probably never achieve yeah. it because it's so beyond, it, it's more of a fantasy for him. Right. Right, and yeah. his ma- I mean, I'm thinking back at the show, and I feel like his major decisions are just like to allow his daughters, yeah, to 
Well, his major decisions are sort of, like, forced upon him. Right. Like, know? he's, yeah, he, and then he just has a conversation mm-hmm. with God about it mm-hmm. and kind of accepts mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and there's less of a religious, I think what upset me about the Rothschilds piece is there is less religious symbolism, which mm-hmm. I think might hurt the show a little bit because, you know, these were still religious Jews yeah. in a lot of ways. And maybe they weren't like Tevye talking with God. Right. But they, you know, I think there is, again, going back to how they're presented, you know, a Jew with more agency is immediately seen as a Jew who's less religious mm-hmm. versus maybe somebody who is more religious has less agency. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's, um, let's talk about the two songs then that mm-hmm. we're going to look at. Um, one is If I Were a Rich Man from uh, Fiddler. Fiddler, which um, <laughs> we're assuming most people have heard if they know Fiddler. Um, and then there's from the Rothschilds the song, a song called Everything, mm-hmm. which um, is similar in that it's their, what they want uh, right there, yeah. I mean, they're both I want songs yeah. in a way. Um, everything is sung by all five of the sons to their mother, mm-hmm. um, and basically proclaiming like we want everything other men aspire to. Right, and we um, should be allowed. And we yeah. should be allowed to want yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. We have enough. We have a roof overhead, clothes on our backs. We make a living with something extra so we can give when a poor man asks. What more do you want? We have enough. What more do we need? What more do we need? What more do we want? What more do we need? We want everything, everything, everything other men aspire to. What another's entitled to, we're entitled to, too. It's a curious, dangerous malady we are all afflicted with. We want everything, everything, just like other men do. And I find the two songs are very similar in terms of their tone, in terms of their sound, but there seems to be more of a driving force in in everything than in If I Were a Rich Man. Mm-hmm. And again, as I said, like it's so interesting that If I Were a Rich Man, when was translated um, for the Yiddish version, was If I Were a Rothschild, because right. this is what Tevye sort of dreams of, you know, yeah. the ultimate Jewish yeah. wealth. Um, it seems like in the show as a whole, in the Rothschild yeah. as a whole, there is a theme of like we should, we shouldn't want like kind of yeah. especially uh, their mm-hmm. mom the and the women in the, the main mm-hmm. woman in the show is saying uh, is often heard saying we we have enough yeah it's like tr- yeah she it's interesting that she you know both Golda and and the mother in Rothschilds is mm-hmm. sort of pushing back. Uh, for traditionalism, they're much more right. steeped in traditionalism, and it, you know, it would have been interesting if they would have showcased maybe a Rothschild daughter and right. what that would have been like. You know, would have the character have been more like in Fiddler? Right. Well, that's why that's kind of yeah. how I, one of the reasons I felt like they were kind of the inverse of each other. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Fiddler has these 
has, you know, five daughters who Mm -hmm. are Mm -hmm. the ones that are kind of the most active, Mm -hmm. you know, characters in that show who are going forward, who are Mm -hmm. making their own decisions and all that. And then in Rothschilds, you have five sons Mm -hmm. who, uh, you know, are, uh, I guess they're all, I mean, everyone's more active in uh, yeah, but it's the men who are it's, it's the yeah. men in the Rothschilds. Yeah, who are and I don't think ones. that was lost on Bach and Harnick. I think that that was probably something where it's like, oh, it's like Fiddler, but yeah, a male version. But it is still interesting that, like, they still aren't as religious mm-hmm. in their music and their right. sound in what they desire. And I do wonder if it's because Judaism if you're a woman and you're religious, typically you are more, in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, uh, oppressed. Mm-hmm. You know, you are subservient right. in a lot of, in the order of society. Yeah. You can't break out as easily. Right. Um, there is one woman character in the Rothschilds is uh, Hannah, I think her name is. The one, the woman Nathan meets oh, in. Oh, then in London, yes. In London, yes, yes. Who has... A small song uh, mm-hmm. that uh, she seems to be the only like kind mm-hmm. of independent yeah female character yeah um, but so. you know it could be because it, there she's so much more um, secular yeah. and modern be, right. and also because she's in England you know and yeah. I think to Bach and Hardy their imagination would be that the further west you went the more <laughs> modern you were right. you know right. Yeah. Yeah. I almost, I kind of, I was wishing she had more to do. I mean, yeah, just more listening to, do, to the, yeah. well, I've said on a previous podcast, I think that I, I uh, wish that the women in Fiddler had more songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and again. But show. I think it goes back to, you know, like the writers being men right, and, right. and the creative team being men. I was just like, oh, a, a cool female Jewish character and her song is a reprise of a man's song but (laughs) well I think it's hard because I think because we're in such a patriarchal society is Mm -hmm. so much of the language Mm -hmm. that we have to use is is male language right um even in terms of religious observance you know I remember hearing things as it when I was younger and and this is something that my mom believes is that you know, there was a Jewish tradition that was for women. There were traditions, but over time, because women typically couldn't write or, mm-hmm. you know, get together, and also because Jews were living in such a patriarchal society, a lot of those women traditions fell yeah. by the wayside. And, you know, now how women are expressing themselves, it's viewed as very masculine, mm-hmm. but it, in essence, it's also just trying to take back and take you know, have some say in being a woman in Judaism. Everything actually also seems more um, uh, philosophical Mm -hmm. as a song. If I Were a Rich Man is very much based in in materialistic Mm, ideas. I'm going to have a lot of stairs. I'm going to have a lot of (laughs) stairs, yeah. My wife will have a double chin and I'll have, you know, lots of chickens. Right. If I were a rich man, all day long I'd biddy biddy bum. If I were a wealthy man, 
And everything is, and maybe it's because they have already these comforts that, you know, Tevye did not have, right. that they can sort of ask the larger questions mm-hmm. of, yeah, well, I want to be equal. I want, like, I have everything. I actually I have do. Enough. I have enough. Right. But, but it's not everything. Right. Yeah. And everybody that we li- that live around us, mm-hmm. they also have enough plus everything. Right. So right. maybe I don't actually yeah. have enough, you know, or yeah. whatever, however yeah. they end up thinking about yeah. it. But. I also think that um, one of the things that I'm a little bit upset that Bach and Harnick didn't portray is they've portrayed the ghetto as a bad place. Mm-hmm. But there was also, first of all, Jews that liked to be in the ghetto. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to socialize with non-Jews. Um, and there was also the idea that the ghetto was good to protect Jews mm-hmm. from the hour because you could close the gates. Right. And so if there's a mob, right. <laughs> they couldn't just go into your house. So there right. was a protective element to the ghettos mm-hmm. that I think would have been interesting for Bach and Harnick instead of being like the you know, physical antagonist of the show. Right, right. With the, yeah. um, I mean, it's very yeah. eerie that they, they um, have the sound of the, the, bell. the yeah. bells and the, you know, closing of the ghetto yeah. laws. Yeah. I think at one point someone calls it a lo- the, our lullaby or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is yeah. kind of a creepy, <laughs> yeah, well, creepy way of, yeah. of referring to it. Yeah, just the idea of shouldn't I, shouldn't I have this? Yeah. Yeah, um, it it goes much more yeah. beyond what if yeah. I were a rich man is is doing. Yeah, it's, yeah, and I guess if and I were it, a rich man is also a more universal, right? Uh, you know, idea. <laughs> yeah, that is true. But I think that there's also something interesting that still we have to remind ourselves, like the Rothschilds are asking this question a hundred mm-hmm. years before Tavia, right? Still, and the fact that. Tevye seems less concerned with you know he just sort of accepts that this is the way of life that Mm -hmm. we have you know our circle and then we have much bigger circle Mm -hmm. and you know we don't talk to them and they don't bother us usually Yeah. Um, but there's clearly moments when they do bother them and not you know other than Perchik who's sort of viewed as like ridiculous and weird right. for wanting for fighting back I mean right. he literally fights back during the pogrom scene and he's jailed yeah he's jailed yeah and yeah. he is viewed as like this crazy person in the Rothschilds they're not viewed crazy right. they're like yeah it's obvious you know yeah that they are men and they should have yeah what I wonder other if men it's have. Uh, some of it has to do with like a rural versus more cosmopolitan yeah. setting like Tevia being, uh, you mm-hmm. know, they're in their little village. Their shtetl, yeah. Um, and and uh, 
the Rothschilds are in a, a city. Mm-hmm. That does, yeah, I think that does definitely play into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that also goes back to, well, why are Jews in European cities viewed le- like less Jewish right. than the ones that were in the Pale? Right, right. And I, maybe I should explain Pale Settlement. <laughs> <laughs> so basically the area in Russia where Jews were allowed to live was called the Pale of Settlement, and um, that's where the little shtetls all sort of sprung up of mm-hmm. Jewish people living there, and they were typically right. farmers and milkmen and tradespeople. And um, but yeah, I think that there there is that aspect of mm-hmm. rural versus city, mm-hmm. um, wealth versus poor. Right. Um, yeah, it, it is totally an inverse tale yeah. of of Fiddler. Yeah. Um, which is an interesting idea. And, and I often wonder if Bach and Harnack had stayed together. Right, right. <laughs> and, you know, if the Rothschilds maybe had done a bit better on Broadway, mm-hmm. that um, what kind of other Jewish tales Bach and Harnack might have been interested in right. telling. It's also interesting, um, the, the part with the shop, uh, their mm-hmm. shop. It also brought to mind uh, "She Loves Me." It almost seems yes, like... which is also Bachenhardt, right. which is also, you know, in a weird way, I always feel like "She Loves Me" is a bit of a Jewish sort mm-hmm. of tale, and the humor and the, you know, it's almost like Jewish life pre World War Two in right. Poland. You know, yeah. we're living in a big city, and yeah, it's never stated. Yeah, or it's anything, never stated. But no, but I, yeah, yeah, I mean the the original. By Laszlo is, is mm-hmm. he's Jewish. Yeah. The shop around the corner right. was written also and directed by Jews. So I feel like it's got a very Jewish feel. Yeah, um, which is why I always feel like Bach and Harnick are a little, are a little more of Jewish writers than maybe mm-hmm. even they would want to admit. Right, but right. I always felt that the next, I like iteration of like the Rothschilds, Fiddler on the Roof would probably be like the Dreyfus affair and mm-hmm. you know someone like Herzl becoming yeah. starting political Zionism right right um which could be interesting yeah which would be a good musical <laughs> I'm just imagining Bach and Hark writing a right. musical there's in my a, head there's a alternate universe musical of, <laughs> of the Dreyfus <laughs> affair yeah <laughs> um one more point I think we didn't get to about everything versus if I were a rich man is that the music the music um, itself, yeah, is it um, feels very similar. Yeah, um, the like dun 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 dun, dun, dun like that yeah. sort of pul- that beat pulsating underneath. They are very. There is a very yeah big drive that drive around. that um, I guess the Rothschilds used to move forward and to be mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just has within him mm-hmm. and doesn't. Use. And I always feel like. Bach was such a, he was such a specific composer, like he really, like every note he put on the mm-hmm. page was that I feel like he is, he meant to reference Fiddler. Yeah. And that is sort of underneath the, the song of everything, that mm-hmm. he sort of is revealing that the two worlds are not, are far apart from each other, but they're right. also, there's still that similar desire of just wanting to thrive and exist in the world. Out there there are men, no different from us, no better, no brighter, no different from us, except that they're out there while we
the question of why Fiddler endures when the Rothschilds does not. Um, and I think that that goes back to the active versus mm-hmm. passive tale. I think that an audience is much more receptive to a Jewish character like Tabia. Yeah. Um, certainly not, you know, certainly not in modern sense, but if you're talking about Jewish history, right. um, I think that there's more of an acceptance of, of Tevye the Milkman mm-hmm. and that sort of imagination of, of what Judaism was in Europe, which wasn't necessarily true because there were Jews that lived in cities and there were Jews that lived in other shtetls that weren't like Tevye's. I mean, my great-grandfather, Fiddler, was his favorite musical, mm-hmm. but he came from a shtetl. Yeah. And he sort of like looked, he's like, I love the music, I love this, but this is not a shtetl. <laughs> like, this was not my shtetl. Right. <laughs> you know, so I think you know, there an audience would be much more receptive yeah. to to Fiddler than yeah. the Rothschilds, and I think, especially if you're a Jewish audience member, you mm-hmm. you wouldn't necessarily. Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes into like there's a certain uncomfortableness sometimes about an oppressed group wanting mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. than enough kind mm-hmm. of thing, and I mm-hmm. wonder if that also. Yeah, um, that is really, yeah. Like, kind of keeps people uh, slightly away <laughs> from yeah, the story. Yeah, so like you like, should be satisfied with what you got, yeah. you know, that you're alive. And right, versus right. Wanting, and not just Jews. I mean, any, yeah. most, uh, you yeah. know, any oppressed group, is, you yeah. know, you kind of run into that narrative a lot. Like, mm-hmm. why, like, you should, like, you know, you have a food to eat, you know? Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Like, you have, yeah, you know, Clothes on your back. Right, and, right. Yeah. Um, so, I wonder if that... And it is interesting how Fiddler has kind of transcended, you know, um, Jewish audiences and as, as a Jewish story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, is performed all over the world in different cultures. Because, mm-hmm. like, it... People relate to that mm-hmm. uh, story so much. Yeah. Their own culture. Um, but they don't relate to sort of the Rothschild story of wanting to overcome oppressions. The Rothschilds and the association with the Rothschilds right. is seen with so much wealth and so much power that it's right. like, I don't want to know about how they got all this wealth and power because they mm-hmm. were, they secretly, you know, run the world right, in, in right. terms of conspiracy. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot in the background there, yeah. for sure. Great. Well, let's move on to our Why Is This So Good section. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Molasses to Rum from the musical 1776. So first question, why did you pick this song for Why Is This So Good? Because <laughs> it's just so good, right. this song. Yeah. You know, the first time I ever thought, like, oh, you can do this with musicals was um, Rose's Turn right. and Gypsy. right. And I never got that feeling again until I heard Molasses to Rum. Yeah. Where I thought it it's just such a powerful song. It's such a clear, like, you know, critique that is yeah. just so... And the orchestration of it with the African beats, um, yeah. it's just really interesting. 1776 is about the writing and passing of the Declaration of Independence, which is a great show for someone who was born and raised in Canada. Um, again, I don't know why I'm like, I like a show like that is so American. Right. Um, 
but uh, the song is sung by Edward Rutledge, who was actually the youngest signer of the Declaration. He signed it at 26, mm. which is like, what have you done with your life? I literally, know. You know? <laughs> and Rutledge came out from, I believe, South Carolina. He was, In the show, he's the lead sort of delegate, the lead character for that um, area. But mm-hmm. he's actually quite a minor character, which is why it's so amazing that he gets this great big moment. Yeah. And basically, in the Declaration, they talk about how um, they talk about, like, freedom for all men, and Rutledge sort of is like, well, what about slaves? And it gets into a whole debate about slavery. And basically, you know, Adams is like, you know, was very much opposed to slavery, like, both him and Franklin. Yeah. And... You know, it lands up looking a lot like, you know, North versus South, which is what led to the Civil War. Um, But Rutledge sort of throws it back into the Northern Northern delegates' faces. Like, he doesn't, he's not just about, like, this is our life, this is our way of life, and how dare you. He, He kind of talks about the triangle trade, which was the trade of, you know, it was basically going, like, America, Africa. Africa to the Caribbean and back mm-hmm. to America it was like the trade route and that's what he describes about in the song and um, it's a very powerful piece I mean he he mimics an uh, an auction block yeah. for African for the African slaves which is so powerful and I think I think for me it's great because it's showcasing a bit of history that you know, people wouldn't necessarily think that they're implicated in. Yeah. You know, I think that we often think that, you know, because it's not a part of our part of society, but if you are a part of that society, you, you yeah. are implicated in anything. You know, it's if it happened to your history of your people, mm-hmm. like when I think about Canadian treatment, you know, my family was certainly not in Canada at the time, but the treatment of Indigenous people is I'm still implicated in that by living in Canada and sort of the privilege that I have yeah. by living in Canada and living on that land. Um, and I think it also harkens back to my, my family living in apartheid South Africa and my parents growing up there. And, you know, that sort of feeling that they're, they're implicated in that system even mm-hmm. though they weren't necessarily supportive of it. Right. Um, so that's why I really, really yeah. like this song, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, as you said, like, you can do this in musicals. It's basically a song about implicating the North yeah. <laughs> in slavery. Yeah. Molasses to rum to slay. Come, New England with Bibles. Oh, 
off with the rum and the Bibles. Take on the slaves, clink, clink. Then a hail and farewell to the smell of the African. And I love how he says, like, you know, the people look at the, the people's faces on the shores, you know, mm-hmm. white faces, New England faces. Right. You it's know, very put poetic. them in the ships. Yeah, and, and it's very poetic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just the, even the hook of the song, mm-hmm. molasses to rum to, to slaves. slaves. Oh, what a beautiful waltz. Like, yeah. uh, it's... You dance with us, we dance with you. Yeah. So it's saying, like, yeah, we use them for our fields, but you get them for us, you know? Yeah. Like, where do the ships come from? Where, do the, yeah. where yeah. does everything come from? Um, yeah, and the use of the African Yeah, and I music. love the use of sound mm-hmm. in this show, you know, like clink, clink. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also, I think there's, um, like, to a toe, like, the end, and also the use of rhyme. First of all, the use of rhyme in 1776 is very interesting because they don't do, like, these like perfect they do like a perfect rhyme but in mm-hmm. a weird way of how the actors have to pronounce it so if you do at the end like uh mr adams i give you a toast mm-hmm. hail boston hail charleston mm-hmm. so it's sort of he he pronounces in a way so that the perfect rhyme lands mm. uh who you know who stinketh the most right and I think that's like very that's why it's also like beautifully written in yeah. that way and yeah just the use yeah the use of rhyme in the show mm-hmm. in general but uh, handle them yeah it just and then when Rutledge sort of goes crazy in mm-hmm. the middle and he starts um, you know naming the places and um, performing like an auction block yeah it's it really you feel like the madness of all of it the madness right. of the slave trade of and the in, just just the craziness of it the injustice of it look at the faces in the crowd gentlemen white faces new england faces sea faring faces faces from Nantucket. boston 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 blackbird for sale Handle them, fondle them, but don't finger them. They're prime, they're prime. Yum, yum, and the, the African music that comes in. Mm-hmm. With the, like, the drum and beats, yeah. Yeah. Because it really is his moment. He doesn't have any backup. Mm-hmm. He, he literally sings this song just himself. It's just a very... Mm-hmm. Different, it's, but yet yeah. fascinating way to bring in how our that our country is like built on slavery mm-hmm. completely. Complete, yeah, absolutely, completely. Well, not our country, but your country, my, yeah. <laughs> and sort of my country. The country of the country of seventeen seventy six. Well, you know, Canada also has like a. a pretty yeah. bad history of mm. treating minorities. Yeah. We, we don't have the you know, we're, we're not total angel, angels yeah. ourselves, so. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, um, it's not something that I felt I expected to find in a musical about the Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and even just the sound of the, of the song, it yeah. sits apart from the, I mean, a lot of the songs sort of 
don't quite fit in the general score. They sort yeah. of stand alone. And that's what's interesting about 776. It seems to break a lot of musical theater rules yeah. of rhyme, of structure, you mm-hmm. know, that has that large scene where there's no song for like 30 minutes. Yeah. And you're like, am I watching a musical? Right, you know? right. Um, but, you know, I think it really comes out the most with this song yeah. of Molasses to Rum. And. And Rutledge is just, he's such a great character. He's, you know, the second antagonist of the show behind Dickinson. Laden with gold, see it gleam. Whose fortunes are made in the triangle trade? Hail slavery, the New England dream. Mr. Adams, I give you a toast. Hail Boston! Hail Tarleton! Who's stinking? The mud! Let's move on to our final section, which is Yay. called Something, Something Wonderful. Something Wonderful. Well, we'll just give a shout out to or talk about uh, to something we've seen recently or something we're mm-hmm. excited about that's coming up. The show Gun and Powder mm-hmm. uh, at Signature Theater. It's it's opening next season in February in, in the Signature Theater in DC, mm-hmm. not the one in New York. Oh, okay, um, yeah, good to make that. Yes, <laughs> and uh, it's an amazing story. It's it's based on one of the writer's great aunts mm-hmm. and. Uh, her aunts were very light-skinned, so they passed as white, mm-hmm. and they were sort of outlaws, and one falls in love with a, a black man, and one falls in love with a white man, and how that sort of affects it. And uh. it's written by Ross Baum and Angelica Shuri. Um, I'm also excited for Six coming to Broadway, because yeah. I didn't get a chance to see it. Yeah, I'm excited and to see that, too. I've heard really great things. Yeah. Especially also being a bit of a renaissance history nut myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, the hopeful return of K-pop because I didn't get a chance to see it the first time. So difficult. Yeah, and and I saw uh, Max Vernon's View Upstairs, which I really liked a lot of the music in that. So I'm excited to hopefully see K-pop. And then on my list to see that's currently out right now is Hades Town. So great, love to see that. Great. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. For thank you so being much on the for show. having it's super me. Super fascinating. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Scene to Song. You can write to scene to song at gmail.com with a comment or question about an episode or about musical theater. We'll answer your questions on the season finale. Please also email if you'd like to be a podcast guest. Follow us on Instagram at scene to song on Twitter at Scene Song, and on Facebook at Scene to Song with Shoshana Greenberg Podcast. The theme music you are hearing is by Julia Meinwald. And check back here in two weeks for our next episode. (laughs) ¶¶